0: Hello, hello. I am Christian Parraga, and this is Ken Show, Growth by Pain, where you can get experiences from guests, hoping they will give you inside moments. Today, I am with Christina Castaneda. She is from Austin, Texas. She is a writer, content producer, and host of the CV Creative Podcast, where she interviews writers about the craft, business, and mindset of living a happier and more fulfilling writing life. Her debut novel California Sun will be released in the spring of 2019, and her memoir, The Traveling Stranger, Latin America is available now. Christina, welcome to Kensho podcast.
1: Thank you, Christian. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It is really an honor to have you here. Your leadership in the course of London Real, where we met, inspired me a lot.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And no, I go ahead.
0: Um, I w- I was about to start the questions, but I don't know if you were about to say something.
1: Oh no! Ask me anything.
0: <laughs> Thank you. And the first question is uh, where we will begin everything. And as the name says, "Growth by Pain." I will ask you which one is the hardest moment in you, in your life and how it helped you.
1: Well, for. For me, um, God, I can't even tell you, There was many moments where you just had, I, I would say one of the hardest moments was just having to walk away from a really bad situation. I, um, I would say the top moment where it was really painful was when I lost my home, my kids and I in 2011, you know, the recession in the US really hurt us and I had lost my job. And then two days later after that, my car was stolen. So it was like, boom, back to back, double whammies. And although I had a little money saved up, it was a recession. It was really hard to find work. And I was, you know, I was, had to leave my apartment and I had to take my kids with me. We lived in shelters. We lived in hotels. We couch surf with friends. And it, the hardest thing was having to, you know, watch my kids go hungry, having to not knowing if I could tell them where they were going to sleep at night, having to you know take everything in and out of our car, and you don't know if the situation will be better. And the worst part was knowing that no help was coming, and it was really just everything you could find on your own and everything you could pull together. Um, I would say that it taught me that you always got to look for resources. You always got to look for reinforcements. And I was so grateful that I had such a good network of friends around me because They, they all came to help me and I didn't ask for anything. They just all just banded together. They all put money together so I could buy another car. They, um, they let me sleep in their homes for a day or two, just with the kids. They had us over for dinner when they knew that we were starving and we knew that we didn't have anything. And those little bits of friendship helped us so much. And it taught me of what I needed to do to be a better person and to be a better giving person, And, you know, I really value friendship with people and I really value relationships now because of that. And, you know, after after it was over, we were able to find a new place. I was able to get a new job and I'm able to be a speaker for the shelter that we lived at called Upward Bound House in Santa Monica. And um, I was able to speak for the National Charity League also on homelessness in L.A. And if you guys know, um, if anyone who's ever been to Los Angeles, you know that it is probably has the worst homelessness in the United States. It's really bad because there's no winter here. And, you know, there's people on the streets everywhere. There's the infamous Skid Row, downtown L.A. And there's, I mean, there's tens of thousands of people homeless, if probably not hundred thousand people homeless in LA. So it was nice to be able to speak about it and to say like, no, there's a lot of hardworking people that are homeless and there's a lot of families that are homeless and that need help. And there's so much that needs to change. And I was always a young activist and it was really good to be able to put all that energy to good use and all that energy to help people. And my kids saw that too. They saw that people had to give to help us. And, you know, we always were giving to our friends to help them. And in return, people came together to help us. So I think it's always the kindness of people that you rely on. And that's important. You know, I always say invest in the karma bank (laughs) because that's where the most return is. So uh, I I was able to help my kids learn that lesson. And we we became a closer family because of it. We had to live in such tiny, small places and... You know, um, we had to let go of all our stuff and we just banded closer together as a family. And, you know, to me, what it's done for me and my kids, um, how we've already had that really tough lesson in life and how we've been able to become better and more giving people out of it. And we work harder at being (laughs) better every day. That to me was, it was the best and worst moment of my life. And, but it's the moment where I you know, I never take a meal for granted I never take every month that I pay rent I say I'm so grateful that I have 30 more days with a roof over my head you know um, and it makes me appreciate so many things that we have that we, I might have taken for granted before so
0: <laughs> wow that's that is an incredible story I didn't know everything you just told me I can't even hear like you're still feeling it it's still a little bit hard to remember so, uh, that that moment I- well i mean
1: yeah when when i had to leave my home you know we had to leave all our furniture everything outside and your neighbors people that are like your friends are coming and taking it just like as if it's theirs if it's just free and you're like i have worked hard for all those things and you can't take them with you we had to take everything we could in our car And you know my kids, their toys—they had to watch other neighborhood kids take their toys. It was awful, and it was heartbreaking to me to see stuff like that happen. And then you know, having to eat food from a food bank—and I don't know if you guys have ever been to food banks—but it's pretty much the rotten food that um, the grocery stores throw away. And so it's just disgusting. There's like flies buzzing all around it. You could—it smells really bad, and it's—it's a long line of people who are literally fighting for it. They don't care. There's no women and children first. It's just like all everybody's in for it and this is the recession where everybody there's long lines for all kinds of services like this and nobody cares no everybody's hungry and everybody will do what they want to get what they want so i think it's so important to you know to give to this and to give to these people and to to help when we can and to you know appreciate all the things that you have
0: so oh uh, yes uh, it's appreciate the things that we have. We most of the people we have it for for granted, a piece of meat or a piece of meal, or a roof. It's it's really hard to understand that. And well, the good thing is that you are being more grateful for everything, and of course that will bring more for you. And I'm sure that's. That's really touching.
1: <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you.
0: And how, how come you became a writer? Did you always know you were a writer or it was because of this?
1: Well, no, actually, um, I was the kid who always had a little journal. Um, I was writing, you know, stories all the time. I would, my grandmother, you know, this is how old I am. My grandmother had a typewriter. And I would type, type, type away on it. And, you know, I always had, um, I would make little stories and staple them together and design a little cover. And I did this since I was a kid. And then when I was 13, I have just these mean, mean cousins. And I had to spend every summer at my grandmother's house. So every summer I would try to get away from them every day and sit under my grandfather's orange tree. And I just said, I'm going to write a little piece of my story every day and I just started getting lost in it. I really loved it. The characters started becoming real, and I'm only 13. So every day I'm writing this little story, and it turned into like a little first novel. And I was like, I really love doing this. Um, and I didn't know any literary devices. I didn't know what a good story and plot and characterization and all this stuff. I just wanted to... There was a, there was a vision in my mind that just flashes in your head like a movie, and I just thought I, I could just see it and I would just put it into words. Now, I went back and read it years later and it was absolutely terrible. <laughs> but I was so proud that I did it and that it was my escape under the orange tree every summer. And it was all handwritten um, because I couldn't take the typewriter outside <laughs> at the time. But I would just, you know, every, every day have my little notebook and go outside. And I just said, I want to do this for a living. I know I can tell great stories. I love just being a writer. I love just words. I think they are just the most powerful thing on earth. Um, I mean, there's other things like prayer and like, you know, um, other forces. But I I think that just the, the power that words hold is just so important. And if you can tell a really timeless story, I mean, it's almost like an immortality. And I realized that now as I would read, you know, great authors. And I just thought, wow, you know a good story just has such a good impact on people in ways that you can't even imagine. And uh, I work hard every day trying to master (laughs) telling stories and it's the most difficult thing because I don't think we ever master writers ever master it. Any writer will tell you, you can't, but I love what writing does. It's, it's always been therapeutic to have a journal with me. If you know me, you always see me with one and it's always, um, it's just always been, every time I've sat down to write, it always felt like I was doing something, and now I get to do it every single day because I have the most awesome writing mentor and coach, and uh, he has a space for writers here in LA. Uh, if, if It's just the best thing I could hope for every day is to show up and see all my writer friends and just know that how blessed I am to be able to do this craft every single day and. Produce something that the world will love. Hopefully, that or at least a few people will really love. And it, it just it brings me so much joy. It brings me a lot of pain when you see that blank page every day. But it when you just get words out and they come together after so many pages and you hit that, it's the most amazing feeling. I just love it. And um, yeah, I always remember that feeling of the orange tree. <laughs> in the summer, every time I want to quit writing or I want to put a manuscript down, I'm like, no, 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 Uh, you know, I I go back to that.
0: (laughs) Really nice, and I think you put a, well, you start pretty young, you realize that, and you, I think it's one of the habits that a writer needs uh, to write little stories day by day, because uh, what I, well, in my idea it's that when a person wants to write something, it, it is, it tries to begin and make the big story from the very beginning. And that what stops many people, I guess.
1: Yeah, the, it's my, I had a former mentor who would say it's the start that stops most people. Um, I think if you can just get past the first few pages, um, actually, if you make it to the hun- the first 100 pages, you're going to finish the book <laughs> um, or the screenplay. A screenplay is not even 100 pages, but if you make it through the second act wall, you can definitely make it to the end. I would say the best thing, um, what always got me through the first page or through that first paragraph nightmare is knowing that. You're, that first paragraph is going to change so many times, <laughs> especially if you try to submit your writing, that I just have to get through it, right? I just have to put something there, and I can come back to it later, and I can fix it. Now, what I also do to help me start is uh, I, whatever scene I'm seeing in my head, whether it's the love scene or if it's a fight scene or a climactic battle in the story, I write it out first. I don't think about characters. I don't think about development outline, outline, outline. So your outline is kind of your map. And I'm, uh, I know, you know, me as someone who loves to plan and loves to, <laughs> uh, loves to do calendars and all this other stuff. So for me, that was just a good fit and it helps me stay on track, but the outline changes because the story changes as you write it. So, but yeah, that's how you get through it. You just know that it's going to change. You just got to, you just got to get it on paper and get moving,
0: uh, these were really amazing tips of starting to write. I I was really bad in writing actually, but I've noticed that is the best way I can express myself when I have to uh, say my feelings or my deep thoughts. So at the end, I I'm starting to develop some writing. So I will take all the notes and make it make it work for me i'm learning a lot right now
1: <laughs> yeah. well yeah i am uh, the best thing i can say is like you know journal journal is great you need unedited thoughts you know you need to let your mind run loose my mind runs away all the time <laughs> um but over journaling can be a little uh, bad too because then you can get lost in negative thoughts um But, you know, I, I would say, you know, let your, get your thoughts out there and, you know, it's even the people who write beautifully, their first draft was never, uh, never a beautiful draft (laughs) and the people who can communicate clearly at one point, they, they had problems too. So, I mean, it's, it's just something, um, it's just something that takes practice, but there's nothing as wonderful as when you finally get an idea and you bring it to life and finish it. And I love, I love just helping people do that in any way that they can.
0: Amazing. I would like to change a little bit ab- ab- about the topic, and I would like to go back to your story. Talk about an overcoming those difficulties uh, I know that those were hard moments and uh, uh, people helped you, but what motivated you or what was the thing that made you over, overcome that? You didn't stay that way.
1: Really homeless?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, homeless.
1: Oh, particularly being homeless, um I gotta say I had so many meltdowns like I just lost it and you know I tend to be someone who can kind of hold it together enough like I think a lot of my emotions I handle because I write so much I channel it into my characters so I'm kind of seen as like pretty emotionless most of the time or you know or negative emotions I I, I don't really wear too many emotions on my sleeve sometimes and uh but I, I couldn't handle it when I was homeless. Like I just had these horrible meltdowns, and I just had, my mind was full of so many bad, bad, bad like thoughts. Like this was never going to get better. And you're around a lot of people who are going through the same thing, so the whole situation just feels hopeless. And I, the shelter that we were living at, there's a 9 p.m. curfew, right? <laughs> so it seems like you're back at you're you're a kid again. And you, ha- you can't drink either because we have a lot of people who are, the shelter had a lot of people who are, you know, coming from rehab. So you can't relapse and they give you drug tests and they, you know, they check your head for lice as you come in because there's children there. There's a liability. So, you know, I went to a holiday Christmas party at work and this was, you know, my first holiday at that job and I just started that job. So I felt like I kind of had to go. I had to get special permission from the shelter to stay out past 9 p.m. And I came back and, you know, I, they, you know, they asked, were you drinking and this and that. And, you know, I told them, you know, I had a little champagne, it was a holiday party, but of course I didn't drive, drink and drive and I wasn't intoxicated, nothing like that. And what they said to me, um, I remember one guy, uh, he was my, I can't say his name, but he was my caseworker who was helping me. And I really owe a lot to him because he really helped keep me strong. And he just said, you know, you cannot be drinking, cannot be smoking. It's not because we just have rules because of the children here. He goes, if you are going to get through this, you need to keep your mind strong. And that really hit me. Like, I just realized, oh my God, you know, like, and at the time my mind was a mess. Like my house was a complete, ma- my, the unit that we were living in, in the shelter. Um, we all had little apartments because it was a renovated hotel. So we had like little hotel rooms and he would always say you know your room is a big mess you can't leave it like that and he just says you're going through a lot right now and i can tell it's affecting your mind you have to do things to keep your mind strong and you know he suggested things like prayer and stress release you know exercise things just just to just to help and um i just finally realized okay i'm not going to drink i'm not going to um i'm going to be strong. I'm going to be careful with what I put into my mind. And I, I just kept doing that. And I had really good friends, like I said before, that I talked to and that helped me through this, but it, it was, it was a constant battle of what, you know, I couldn't let my mind take over and let everybody else think, you know, like that there was no end to this because at the shelter, they'll tell you that more people who have lived there will come back and I just thought, no, I, I cannot be in this situation again. This cannot happen to us again it, it just it just won't. So I kept staying determined. I realized that also you've got to be more observant and find resources, and you've got to find you've got to be able to figure things out and negotiate and so that was a big win for me because most people are too scared to you know reach out to other people and to negotiate and things like that. But for me, I was like, okay. I just have to do this if I'm going to survive this. So that's what I did. You know, I, it was hard to get an apartment again. It was hard to, um, you know, to figure out bills that were missed and all these accounts that had to be closed because we couldn't pay. And eventually I did. Eventually we picked back up and I was able to just work things out, work things out, work things out. And, uh, you know, I realized that that was a superpower (laughs) and being resourceful and uh, being approachable and being able to. To not accept no for an answer and just really push, 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 and work things out. So that was a huge lesson that it that it had taught me. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I could go on and on about, <laughs> about that experience. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: I see, and it's you had many learnings from that experience. I see, and now comparing like that lifestyle that you had this year's lifestyle uh, and everything that happened this year and seeing in the future that we are recording this uh, just a few hours of having New Year.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) let's,
0: let's use that in order to talk about past, present and future. How do you see that?
1: Oh, past. Um, I, oh my God. Um, I don't even know what to say. Like I didn't have a happy childhood. I, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a loving family. I had my children young. I was a teen mom and uh, it, you know, things were always difficult from the beginning. I grew up in a family of alcoholics and I I wasn't a positive person for a long time, probably until right before having kids until I was like a maybe until I was like 17 or 18 when I was a little bit more turning positive. I don't know what shifted that year. I can't really explain it, but um, yeah. And then I grew up a dancer um, from when I could walk till, <laughs> till I was uh, 18. And that always brought me a lot of joy, just like writing. Um, I think it brought, if anyone asked the secret to having good energy, it's definitely dance <laughs> and it's all it does for me. So I, um, Those those were my past. I think writing and dancing and you know having kids early got me through a lot of um, just a bad past Um, present. I love what I do now. I am able to write every day. I'm able to help students at London Real, which I'm really happy about. And I love my students. I've been able to help god like hundreds of students in one year which has been a great feeling because there's nothing like seeing someone come out of their shell and just transform and find something that they love and they you know they contact you you, they contact you later months later and tell you how much you have you impacted their lives and it's such a wonderful feeling helping and in the future is of course uh having books out my novel which should be out in the spring and also, you know, my kids are grown. My kids are uh, eighteen, and uh, they, I have my, my youngest one going to college soon, so I'm like an empty nester. So I thought, oh well, what do, what do I do now? Like what's next for me now in this new chapter? And I didn't ever want to be depressed and lonely um, for my kids when they need to go live their lives. I wanted to have a business and I wanted to have and do something for myself instead of being sad or lonely because when they are gone, just hanging out with their friends, it's just me and the dogs and it's no fun. I'm like, okay, this sucks. I really need more people and I need something to do. <laughs> so, um, cause I was always taking care of people and now it's, it's very different. So um, I, I would say those things are, are next. What I, what I love doing. Um, I never thought I would be a leader at all. In fact, when I first started London Real, I thought I was a terrible leader. I had very little management experience just because I'm like, I'm a writer. I'm a creative. Do not bother me. I don't want to manage people. It's just a headache. And I had managed some interns and I had managed a, um, a team, um, but Brian you know, and uh, his other team, they came to me and asked me to do it. And I the first team I had, I just fell in love with them. I saw them grow and transform. And I'll never forget like their kind words and their hugs and everything that they were thankful for. And I didn't realize the impact that, you know, just, just a little encouragement and tough love (laughs) could have on people's lives. Like, I didn't think I had that in me. I just thought like, oh God, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to survive every, every call? How can I do it? Uh, But the more I did it, the more I just thought, I love these people and I can't, I can't like not be there and help them. And it's the most wonderful feeling. So if there's more of that, I could just say more, please, more, please. How could I do more of that? (laughs) Anything that I can do to make people feel good about themselves and to know that they can have potential too. There's they, it doesn't have to be miserable and lonely. It doesn't have to be where you're feeling you're not good enough and you're never going to make it. And the, the things that you really love, they're not out of reach. You've just got to to strategize and put in the work, right? So I love being able to that's the impact I want to make uh, with people.
0: Yeah, great. <laughs> and you already starting, you are doing and by this episode, I'm sure you are you will be doing more. Uh, <laughs> yes. And continuing to the to the future Uh, How do you see yourself in five years?
1: Oh, best-selling author. My books will be on your book clubs. Um, (laughs) I'd love to see the podcast grow bigger because the more I interview people, the more I just have so much fun with it. I'd love to see um, partnering or investing in them because I really do believe that having having a business is really what frees people, it frees them to help other people and to give them jobs and to upgrade their lifestyles. So I'd like to see that ripple effect happen with a lot of people. I, I want to see the U S improve as far as what's going on here. Like I want to see more women, uh, elected. I want to, I want to help a lot of women because, uh, you know, are bullied in the workplace or, uh, not by men, but by other women, or, you know, how can I, how can I help women entrepreneurs? How can I help women writers? And, uh, to me that, that's made a huge impact because I love being able to, to tell them, you know, it's, it's okay. Don't, don't feel that you're not worth it or don't feel that you're, you know, you shouldn't pursue something that you really love. It's just, there's bigger hurdles to run and jump and you've got to keep going. And, um, I, I love seeing other people shine. I think that's another thing is that at one point, point, you've got to let go of competition and just be ready to lift up other people and know that it's not something that's going to hurt you. It's something that's going to help you. And um, I think a lot of people get lost too much in the competition. And uh, that was a lesson for me (laughs) um, a few years ago when I was uh, working in corporate.
0: Oh, Oh, I see. Well, I see also why you've created the CV Creative Podcast now. I understand everything since we've been talking to but let me ask you how did the idea of this savvy creative appeared
1: how the, How did the savvy the idea of the savvy creative appeared well, um, I had worked for Beach Body and I did the team Beach Body podcast um, for two years and they have Team Beach Body actually has three podcasts, and we were working on them every single week uh, for two years and It was so draining and so tiring, and I thought, oh, my God, I couldn't do it. And I wanted to do a a YouTube show, and I was already vlogging and out and about with my camera, and I'm just like, one day, I was just editing these vlogs, and I had one vlogging contest, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually good at this. People like my videos. And one day I was just editing one in the morning and I'm still trying to figure out some video stuff. And normally when I was working in media, I had people to do this for me and it was just so frustrating. And I just thought to myself, I suck at this. I suck at editing videos. This is terrible. And I just said, forget it. I don't want to make a big YouTube channel and I don't want to like take up more storage on my phone. And I'm tired of carrying like microphones and camera, like a DSLR around and uh, vlogging in public. So I just thought, and I, I felt like it was just me, a talking head to the camera, but just in really cool places around LA. So I thought, how can I make it different? So when it was my turn to lead broadcast yourself, um, I was like, oh, they needed more team leaders and I did have experience, but I didn't have my own podcast. So I was like, all right, do I really want to commit to this? Do I really want to do this? And then I thought about it again, and I remember how much fun it was to be with the guests, and I remember how much fun it was to have their story and how much love the guests would get from the audience. So I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a try. I'll get to lead a team, and we'll do it together, and we'll see, if, we'll see how it turns out. So I pulled the trigger. I did it. And at first, I was like, oh, it's just going to be for creatives. First it was really hard to get people people were like, oh, I don't know Well, I just realized I was really good at interviewing and actually back in 2015 My very very first interview I did was for a company that I was working for a fitness company. We had a conference in Miami and I was supposed to just like I was just working it but I was also, you know, I was also the person who managed the blogs and managed the content so they pulled me in no preparation at all and pulled me in to meet with these four guys. And they're like, we need an interview. We need, we need something for the blog or we we're going to take their video. Can you, can you interview them? And I was like, wait a second, these guys speak Spanish. Like they're from Venezuela. Like, I, I don't know if I can uh, understand them well enough. And I was so nervous because I was like, oh my God, I've got to conduct an interview in Spanish. And I was just terrified. So. We we sit down and I'm like, well, I'm the only person to do it, so I'm just gonna. I, I'm scared, but I'm gonna do it. So we sit down and we have this hours and hours conversation, and uh, I had to listen to these guys, and they had this this one guy had the most heartbreaking story, but he was on this most un- incredible mission that was helping people, and was making a huge difference, and I really had to force myself to just listen through the Spanish and just to get through it, and all four of those guys, grown men. All of us were in tears by the end of the interview we got to the heart of the story and that article about uh, Carlos Yeguez uh, in Venezuela running a spinning program spinning as in indoor cycling uh, spinning program for low vision uh, athletes or low vision writers was it, it helped his program and it just really kick-started a career for me as far as being blogging and writing And I was like, oh my God, this is the most wonderful reward. And he was so touched and so thrilled that someone cared enough about his story to really put it out there and to really make it part of programming and things like that. And just the fact that I was able to do that through an interview for him, it just told me, oh my God, I really want more of this. But when I started working more in media, you know, I was told that I couldn't be on set. I couldn't be on camera. So I would actually sometimes interview people behind the camera and, you know, just like you see like success stories and stuff like that. Um, I would interview them behind the camera, but I was never able to like have my own baby or my own show. And this way it's like, okay, I need to get back into that moment where I was with those four guys and they were crying and we got to this beautiful story. And there's been three guests where this past year where I really like felt those moments. Actually, there's been a lot more, but those were moments when I was like, Oh my God, I'm doing the right thing this was the right call. This was the right thing I should be doing. And I'm good at this and I can keep continue. I can get better at this. It's not just enough to say I'm good, but I was like, okay, sometimes I suck at this and I need to so there are so many things I need to work on. And uh, you know, the more I talk to these women and these writers and these bloggers, it's just I learn so much from them. They share their story. I learn, you know, I like that readers get to know about them and it's it's just the biggest reward for me. For them to get so much love from our audience, for their audience, their audiences even learned stuff that they didn't know about them. And it's wonderful. It's just so amazing. So yeah, and now I'm changing the direction for writers helping writers um, and everything we want to know about writing, <laughs> just because I realized that the the people who had a lot of impact on the show for me were writers. And I was like, you know what, I just want to talk about writing and story all day because I just can and it's my favorite thing to talk about. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I I like the new direction it's taking. Like I said, hopefully uh, be on Oprah and Reese Witherspoon's book club or interview some great authors, um, you know, and just being able to t- talk to them about the one thing that I love, the one thing that they love. It would you know, to me, that's like, there's nothing better than that. So that's what I want to grow it to. And that's why I started it.
0: Mm, That's awesome. (laughs) And I really love the beginning of podcasting that you have. It was really interesting about talking about that. Is there a link or something we can read about the interview or now?
1: I hope I can find it. I've put it on my LinkedIn profile, um, but I know the company that I worked for that has that owns the article. Um, they changed their whole website, so I would have to find it. But um, if you look, Carlos Yegues, Y E G U uh, E Z, spinning instructor in Venezuela, you should be able to find it. And um, if not, uh, there's also video interview that um, I did with him too as well. So you should be able to sp- find that on spinning.com with enough search, or you can try and see if the link still works on my LinkedIn profile, which means I need to look at my LinkedIn profile, but that's where it would be like under portfolio and uh, yeah, published articles and things like that.
0: Awesome. I will, I will, I will get the link and I put it in the episode notes also <laughs> because it's really interesting. Thank I, you. I, yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, well, I think we can go for hours, <laughs> but I will try to make yeah. it really, really uh, short now. Um, if you can choose one thing, it could be a habit, it could be a tool or something, but you can choose one thing that you did for your success.
1: Uh, oh that's a tough that's a tough one.
0: Yeah, sometimes say, it's not possible <laughs> to want um, to have one. Yeah.
1: It's it's a really weird dichotomy because I could say, um, I'm I'm born strong and I just have it. I always wanted to be a loving, kind, and calm and sweet person, but I've just I'm not built that way. I'm built to be like really strong and tough and or just strong minded and just like, you know, just I'm gonna get through this and, and determined. Another thing that I think it, it, it's a hard choice. I definitely think the smile is, it's one thing that kind of defines me and it's kind of one thing um, that is like, it's a show of my energy. It's, it's always just been something that, that, uh, that I think is just a hidden, uh, a char- it, it's a characteristic of me. And I think like just being able to keep smiling and seeing the good in things um, and staying positive Um I think that was, that's been a, a huge, um, I think that's been a huge factor for success. Um, cause, and that's one thing people tell me is that you're very positive or you smile. And you smile a lot, like <laughs> you smile so much. Uh, but I think it's, I, I think it's, it's, um, one of the reasons that is, that has helped me be positive through tough times. It's helped me be approachable and, um, it's helped me talk to people. Um, and it's helped me, um, it's helped, it's helped me in so many ways. And it's just like, if I'm not smiling, something's wrong. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would say smiling, just, you know, and smiling because you have the energy and the bright energy behind it. Not because you're just like, Oh, perfect, perfect picture, or anything like that. Or I'm picture perfect life. It's just like letting, letting that radiance and letting it all come through. So um, I would say, and that positive, positive self come through positive thoughts. And um, I would say, yeah, Smile, positivity.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's nice. (laughs) I I can link the smile with the vibes that you go to the that goes to the outside, and of course, you will attract. So (laughs) 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 I think it's really good. (laughs) And we'll uh, we'll go to almost at the end. That is with the two questions that I make almost always at the end. That is first the best advice you received and the worst advice you received?
1: Um, the best advice I received is, um, I guess it would be recently, as General Douglas MacArthur says, uh, you're only remembered for the rules you break. If anyone knows me, they like to go a little rogue. I like to go a little rogue and always just know that sometimes you have to find a better way to do things that is a payoff, that is the payoff for the greater good of everyone. So I would, I would say that and always, you know, um, always, always push the boundaries a little bit in the boundaries that with the intentions of helping people and growing, you know, um, that's what I would say as far as the best advice you've ever got. Um, another one, my worst advice I would say is getting a job, just get a job, get a job be stable. Um, you know, I was recently in March, I was laid off a job and I was like, you know, definitely not as as safe as people think. And it's miserable if you're in the wrong place. So I think, I think that is probably, um, I think that's probably something that, you know, I, I, looking back, I, I hope I never have to work another 9-to-5 job ever again because I'm having way too much fun <laughs> doing what I'm doing right now. Um, it's it's more important to be free and not give yourself to vacation hours and to a punch clock and, you know, and have creative freedom. So I would say, yeah, getting a job was, <laughs> uh, was the worst. So... <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> yes, I, I think it is. It's because... Well, it could be either a person, or just saying that you won't make it or something like that. So either of either of them are wrong because they're putting it in a place that <laughs> you, you can develop more, you can give more. So it's yeah, I think it's it's not a good one.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. I advise anyone just you know. Find it. And you know what? Um, that's, that's my advice to anyone out there is that now we live in the gig economy where, you know, you can drive for Uber. If you need extra money, you can, I, I mean, it depends on where you live. Of course, the kids and I, sometimes when we need extra money, there's these really annoying bird scooters that are everywhere around LA, especially since we live by the beach and, uh, we, you know, if they're outside on the street, we pick them up and we charge them and we get extra money for them. And, um, you know, Uh, we, we can get, if we need extra grocery money for the month, like now there's so many things you can do, like walking dogs and, and it's all app driven. Like you can buy people's groceries for them. Like they're really, if you need to fill in the time, you can, you know, if you need to fill a gap, if you don't think you're going to have enough, you can do a little bit to get you by and keep working on your dream. Like I've had to do that. And, uh, and, but I haven't had to give up on the things I really loved. So that's really nice. Like ten years ago, or when I was homeless, Lyft and, I don't think Lyft and Uber were big yet. When I was uh, when I was homeless, because it's 2011, so I that wasn't an option for me. Uh, otherwise, I would have done it. But you know, I um, uh, now it's like it's there's so many options for so many people, and uh, you know you can you can get by and scrape by if you're disciplined enough, and you can make it work. And that would you know, and if and you just got to really look for the ways to find a way to make it work and you can do just about anything so go for it
0: totally, totally. <laughs> and well we are at the end of the episode um, I, I really appreciate you giving us your time, your story we can go deeper and we can for sure talk more <laughs> but maybe we will leave that <laughs> for another episode
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Yes, thank you very much. Um, if there is someone who would like to uh, see your site or following you or your books, is there a website that you have or yes. Instagram or something?
1: Yes, you can follow me. I'm most active on Instagram. You can see me doing crazy stuff around LA or all the cool places to be in LA at uh, Savvy Creative Christina uh, with the CH and uh, Facebook also Savvy Creative, uh, Savvy Creative Christina and my website also Savvy Creative Christina. The podcast is The Savvy Creative on iTunes and uh, you can also follow my Be Brilliant blog on my website. The Traveling Stranger Latin America is... On available on Kindle. It it will soon be available in January on Audible. So if you are an audiobook fan, then you can definitely download it and listen to it. You can listen to my voice. <laughs> and uh and yeah, you know, I have more stories. I have more coming out for you guys. And uh if you just want to know more about writing or just having fun in LA, please uh reach out to me.
0: Awesome. I will for sure, get the books and all the links will be in the episode notes. Okay. Thank you very much. Before uh, finishing this, do you want to say something?
1: All I got to say is uh, to all you creative minds out there, keep creating and uh, just never, ever, ever let anyone tell you any different and keep, keep going on. Nothing is impossible on a long enough timeline if you just keep moving forward.
0: Thank you very much. And this was Cristina Castaneda in Kensho, Growth by Pain.